So in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about a trading strategy for Bitcoin that made 19.41%. I'm not making it up. This is a actual trading strategy that has gotten the investor, Mr. Box, to 19.41%. I am not selling anything. I'm not going to try to sign you up for a course on the other side of this. I'm just reporting the facts. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so what I'm about to relay is an article. It was in bbc.com. I'll leave the link below. Uh, and so this is an investor. His name is Mr. Gox. Mr. Gox has a pretty unique trading strategy for uh, Bitcoin or other um, similar types of cryptocurrency. And uh, his strategy is... Uh, well, it's a little different. So I'm going to read uh, little snippets of the article in here and uh, we can just go from there. So he's notable for two reasons. First, and I'm quoting directly, he's notable for two reasons. First, he's making money with his lifetime career performance of about 20%. It's not 20%, it's 19.41%. Uh, so he's beating many professional traders and funds. Second, Mr. Gox is a hamster. Okay, yes, you heard that correctly. He is a hamster. So you have a hamster that is beating the market and pretty handily beating the market on cryptocurrency. So how does this work? And I know, I'm sorry if you feel terribly fooled by this, uh, but I was putting this out to you know kind of draw people in. Um, and so... <sighs> By running on his intention wheel, he's a legit hamster. His name is Mr. Gox. He runs on his wheel. The wheel selects wherever he stops, selects which currency he wants to trade, uh, and it goes through different options. His office floor has two tunnels nearby, one for buy and one for sell. So if, you're, if he spins on the wheel, and after spinning on the wheel, it says, we're going to buy, let's say, Bitcoin. And then he runs through sell. So he will sell whatever that is, or you know, buy if he runs through the other tunnel. Every time he runs through a tunnel, the electronics wired in his office complete a trade. So it's automatically geared to buy or sell the trade uh, based on Mr. Gox's desires. Um, so it's an elaborate setup for a hamster. So why am I telling you this? Well, it's pretty fascinating. Let me tell you a little bit about the backstory. Um, there are two men in Germany who have created this. They actually created the buy and sell um, I don't know what you call a hamster cage, but a hamster house for buying to create the buy and sell. And one of them was talking about like, it seems like most people from our generation see no other chance than throwing a lot of their savings on the crypto market without having a clue what's going on there. We were joking about it, uh, whether my hamster would be able to make smarter investment decisions than we humans do. That's what one of the co-founders, there's two partners working on this. Uh, and so they created this elaborate setup. Now, the interesting thing is he's doing really well now. He's up 
So I was talking to a friend of mine. He's uh, the economics professor here at, at Charleston Southern, uh, Arnold Height. So he and I were talking in his office earlier today, and we we're just like speculating on what's going on. Um, okay, so there's a, a famous book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. And in it, uh, Bert Malkiel uh, talks about how essentially, the you know, uh, the way that stock market works is, uh, you know, Anybody is going to make a certain amount one way or another. It's not going to be, um, you, you can't really outdo the market. It's just like a blind monkey would get things right. So such a percentage of the time. Okay. That's one uh, view of the market. Now, my other good friend, uh, Scott Pearson, who just recently left a, a couple of years ago, left CSU. He's an economist as well. He's now a Palm Beach Atlantic he has exactly the opposite side. And I tend to lean toward the other perspective. And his perspective, and he he regularly trades in the market. He has his own little financial um, uh, firm. I, I don't know what exactly he would call it, professional advising of uh, buying and selling stocks, is that, no, you can, you can actually outdo the market. Um, and and a, a good example of how that would work is... Um, uh, you know, you can look at what's going to happen to COVID, and it doesn't take a lot of intelligence to realize as COVID's hitting, wow, Netflix is going to be, you know, going up in price, and uh, maybe Peloton or something like that, and something related to um, uh, sports arenas would go down. Okay, so if you're careful and you pay attention, you can do that. So those are the two theories. Well, this is kind of within the uh, the first one, the random walk down Wall Street kind of uh, argument. Now. Mr. Gox is is in the paper because he's up by 20%. Now, over time, and I asked Arnold about this, uh, the first economist I mentioned, uh, over time, would, it, would there be regression to the mean? And we agree that given long enough, he would uh, win some, he would lose some, and it would about be average because this is just like, it's like flipping a coin. That's what Mr. Gox is doing. He's just, it's randomly running through a tunnel. Okay. So Mr. Gox, how, why is he called Mr. Gox? His name, there is a company called Mount Gox, G-O-X, uh, was once the biggest crypto exchange on the planet. And I'm quoting this until it was compromised and hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin stolen, making the company file for bankruptcy. So that's where the name comes from. So they named the hamster Mr. Gox with an extra X, G-O-X-X. His first month wasn't that profitable. Okay, they started on June 12th with 326 euros um, and uh, placing an order for Stellar X XLM one month and 95 orders later, Gox Capital was down by 7.3%. So he had to learn the business like we all do. Right. But as of 27 September, the intrepid traders career performance is up 19.41%. That's pretty good. Now, to put that in perspective, to let you know just how good that is, that beats any major index like the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, all the major stock markets around the world that even beats Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. So he's doing great. Now, before you go out and run to, you know, invest like he does, it's probably not a good idea because, hey, look, if you just flip a coin and do it the same way, you can get similar results. If you're lucky, you can get opposite similar results if you're unlucky. So this might not be the best way of going about doing it. 
The article says, to be clear, Gox Capital is not a real investment firm, and Mr. Gox's human partners are keen to stress with every tweet that it should not be taken as investment advice, as I was just telling you. This is not investment advice. Now, but that's really interesting. He has a Twitter page. Mr. Gox has a Twitter page. Now, beyond that, um, <laughs> it, it's really uh, interesting all that goes into it. Like They have a website um, where... Uh, so when Mr. Gox enters his Gox box or whatever they call it, um, when he enters, it will automatically turn on a live video feed and people watch. Thousands of people watch. 13,000 people are subscribed to this. And when you turn it on, there's ad revenue. Isn't that interesting? So the, the founders are actually making money on something that's this silly. Um, and but that's a great idea. Somebody, if somebody wants to watch it, there's a market for it, and so they're making money on it. Not so much on the trading. Now, if I was them, I'd get a little greedy and I'd take it off the table periodically. Like he's up twenty percent, I'm not sure how much further he's going to go. Let's take some off and start over again with you know only a hundred bucks and see what he can do for there because you know he's going to lose it eventually, and he's he'll win some, he'll lose some, but it, it should regress to the mean. Okay, but the the big, bigger point was. They have this wired in such a way that people can watch it. And because people can watch it, ad revenue is there because the ad revenue comes with the eyeballs. And so they're actually winning whether he wins or not. Okay, I'm going back to quote a little bit again. Quote, Mr. Gox's owner, a lecturer and prototyping specialist, says he likes to spark people's interest in new technologies, sometimes with humor. And that's a very clever way of doing it, right? Uh, I'm continuing to quote, the other human involved, the programmer, has been his best friend since university, and the pair who live hundreds of kilometers away from each other kind of reunited working on Gox Capital. And I'm ending the quote there. Now, that grabbed my attention as well. Because I thought about a couple things here. I thought, yeah, you know, that's how I have started in recent years to actually do the research that I do. Like I want to do things that so if you if you don't know me, if you haven't heard me before, I'm a management professor. Um, and so, but I want to research things when I write, I want to write about something that I find interesting, not something that's terribly boring. Just as I was thinking about this today, I went and I asked a few of my neighbors in the, the offices around me, like, what's the most interesting thing that, that you have um, researched and published? And <laughs> next door to me, the accountant next door said, uh, I think it was agency theory and the application of it, he went into something very boring to my ear. And it, I mean, it probably was just a kind of boring, dry academic theory. Why not do something like this? Something interesting, something creative that you can really sink your teeth to, into and enjoy. Um, I write case studies because I find those far more interesting than other academic types of material. And I can use them in class. And I only do things that I find interesting. And so, yeah, that's that's one lesson. So there's a, a number of lessons here other than I did some shady marketing by the way that I you know put this up. And if you're still listening to it, good on you. Okay, so, but, but one of them is do things that you enjoy. Like there's nothing about, so I, there's nothing about academic writing that requires me to do boring stuff. I know people that, that study the NFL or the NBA or things along those lines. They find something that they find are interesting. The other thing is work with people that you enjoy working with, right? So this, this, this friend, um, I'm in the middle of um, uh, preparing a case for publication with a good friend of mine. I just mentioned him. His name was Scott, um, who, yeah, he left our university, but this is a way that we continue to connect and, and get, get on. 
So um, do that. Do things that you enjoy with people that you like, and then do things that are creative too. Like, so Mr. Gox is a very creative thing. Like I said, he has his own Twitter page, Mr. at Mr. Gox, M-R-G-O-X-X. And you can follow his, his highs and his lows on there. Um, in the article, if you want to look at the article, it'll show you an outline of the Gox box of how he gets in, the, the spinning intention wheel, uh, the buyer-sell decision tunnels, and all that kind of good stuff. And um, they, summar- they, they conclude the article by saying this, but Mr. Gox, this is a quote, but Mr. Gox, like a true successful executive, keeps his own hours. The portal between his regular cage remains open, except when he needs to stay put for cleaning so that he can clock off at any time. And avoid and avid watchers must wait for the next live stream notification. Mr. Gox is in the office. So they'll get notifications that he's in the office when he goes into his cage so they can watch and live stream. And you know what? <laughs> They're getting ad revenue for this. Like, how clever is that? So I, would, I just want you to think about how to be clever like that, how to think through things like that, and, and just to try things. So, so if you listen to my podcast at all, this is going to be a pretty short one. But if, you, if you've listened to it in the past, you'll know that I end every episode with a quotation for contemplation. And I, I pre-select that um, before either I speak or I interview whoever it is. And I actually have two. This is, I think, the first episodes that I, that I did this. But I started off trying to de- deliver value to people by saying, look, at least if nothing else, if you got nothing else out of the entire episode, at least there's a, ah something to think about at the end. So the first one is this. The first quote is from Ray Bradbury. Now, Ray Bradbury wrote uh, Fahrenheit 421, or I don't remember what, I think that's the the name of it, Fahrenheit. Um, And uh, it was a terrible novel. I mean, (laughs) it was, to my mind, it was very poorly written. But Ray Bradbury is a bigwig in in science fiction kind of literature. And he had Ray Bradbury Theater and and a lot of, he did a lot. I didn't particularly like the book, but that's okay. He can be famous without me. Right. So just try things. And that's the point of uh, his quote. It was life. This his uh, the quotation for contemplation is this quote. Life is about trying things to see if they work. <laughs> and, you know, to some degree, that's right. I mean, who would have thought that Mr. Gox would work in a, both in actually being up by 19.41 percent or by people actually cashing in, wanting to watch the Gox box? Um <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought, right? And then the second quote is by Peter F. Drucker. And Peter Drucker, um, if you don't know Peter Drucker, he's he wrote 39 books on management. Essentially, he was the guy that described how management works in the 20th century. And he said this, people who don't take risks generally make about two big mistakes a year. People who do take risks generally make about two big mistakes a year. <laughs> and the moral of that story is take risks, right? Try it. Go ahead. It's okay. I mean, you're not likely to make as many uh, errors or, or bad decisions as you think you might be. Just take the risks. See what happens. So if you have a great idea, something like Mr. Gox, because I'm sure somebody else has thought about that somewhere, go, go ahead. Try it. Set it up. See what happens. If, if people aren't interested, no worries. You're not hurt. But try it. Okay, so, hey, I hope that helps you um, have some food for thought and think about, you know, how to be more creative and what might work. And, um, you know, there's no harm. There's no, you know, Warren Buffett talked about how there's he likes investing because there's no called strike. And I think, you know, there's something really 
profound about that thought. In baseball, if you um, if you don't know the background, if you swing at a ball and you miss, that's a that's a strike. If you if it's in the strike zone and you don't swing on it, it's called a called strike. Okay, so you still get penalized anyway, and you know three strikes and you're out. So. Uh, but there's no penalty for not taking a swing at a certain thing. So you're not, you're not penalized, but you know, you're not going to actually get a hit until you swing. So there's the other side of that coin here. And, and I think it, creativity works that way too. You're, you're neither penalized, but you also have to swing at the ones that are. And so when it's in your sweet spot, go for it. And your sweet spot might be something totally different than mine. Mine will probably be something to do with academicish stuff, writing, speaking, that kind of thing. That's that's my sweet spot. It's probably not going to be interpretive dance, okay? But yours might be interpretive dance, and if that's it, maybe people want to watch your interpretive dance for hours. Go nuts, put it online, see what people think, okay? But be creative, do things that you find interesting, and with people that you like, because life's just too short not to. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to me today. Listen to me ramble on about Mr. Gotch. And I hope that that helps you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. A more fun-loving leader who, you know, is going to do things that are enjoyable and helps you uh, help others find things enjoyable as well. Thanks for your time.